Hey everyone, welcome to the Above Average Fans Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Leibel. Uh, Our other host, JT Yoakum, will be on here pretty shortly, but just wanted to introduce everyone to our new Spotify account, Above Average Fans, all one word. Really excited to have everybody. Uh, It's just a podcast where we're going to talk about baseball, you know, primarily the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, We're big fans. I'm over here in St. Louis. JT's over in Austin, Texas. Um, A little background, uh, we met at the Anheuser-Busch Brewery, where we both gave tours, uh, where we used to drink Budweiser every day and go to Cardinals games and watch just about every Cardinals game you could imagine. So that's where it all started. We love talking about the Cardinals and baseball. Hope you guys enjoy. If you guys have any uh, questions or want to be on, feel free to reach out. I'm pretty sure uh, the only people listening are my wife and JT's parents. All right, have a good one. Hope you enjoy. And just like that, we are live. We are back and above average fans on a new Spotify page. I'm here with JT. How are we doing today? Doing great. Happy to be here. Excited. Ready to talk about Cardinals baseball. I got, got a new... pretty big grin going. I mean... What's the what's the counter down to JT? Do we have it down to the second? Uh, if you give me a moment, you can keep keep rambling. We're close. Yeah, Six if you days. find that, go ahead. Uh, let me get it to you. Let me get it to you. You put me on the spot. I, I don't like to look anything up, but I'll look this up. <laughs> we are but at. The thing is, though, I don't think we start on opening day. I think we play the day after. But it's six days, sixteen hours, twenty-seven minutes, and two seconds. But who's counting? But that's till baseball's back, you know, right. whether the Cardinals are playing or not. I mean, it's a different area you're breathing it when is. baseball's being played. There's oh. always, always something to put on the TV. That's why I love baseball season. It's like even if the Cardinals aren't playing, there's somebody on, and it's fun to watch. Agreed, agreed. So, well, you going? know, sp- yeah, you know, spring training's coming to an end. We got about, I think, what three or four days worth of games left. Um, some people will stay down there. A lot of people are having some pretty big springs. They're going to give them to play. Um, you know, just the person that sticks out the most, he's having an absolute monster spring. John Nagowski, everyone's talking about him of late, hit a home run yesterday. He's batting almost 500 leads the team in RBIs with 11, two home runs. I'd love to see him starting on the field somewhere. He's pretty limited where he can play, but, you know, Bader goes down the other day. Who says he can't go and play left? Yeah, I mean, he kind of reminds me of uh, Jose Martinez a little bit. Just good at bats, hits the ball all over the field. Um, And what bums me out is, like, dude, I mean, he's rolling. He's got momentum, and we're coming out of spring training, starting opening day here soon, and just let him play. Just plug him in. You know, ride ride her till she bucks you, you know, like, why not mm-hmm. play? You know, you hear talk like, oh, no, Justin Williams has to lock down that last spot or, you know, give it to Austin Dean. He's making a push for it. Like, nobody's out hitting John Nagalski at the moment. So, that's some crazy. It is crazy. And then you, you spoke on Williams a little bit. He's tearing it up. He's making a, a good impression on the club. Uh, Mosellock did just announce that he is going to start in the minors this year. Not too worried about that. You know, he's really – He's still pretty young. Nagowski, he's he's 
he's coming up on that time where it's it's either this person's going to be a career minor leaguer or he gets a chance to play and can prove himself. So I think it just comes down to the Cardinals giving him a chance, let him have a decent amount of bats. I think he's got what it takes to, uh, you know, is he an everyday left fielder? He's kind of a little hindered being left-handed and us having Paul Goldschmidt at first. But, I mean, the man can hit. He's done it at every level. And I love watching right. it. Yeah, I mean, I just – you're talking about John Nagowski, right? Correct? Okay, well, I mean mm-hmm. – mm-hmm. He throws yeah, left-handed. Yeah. He throws think left-handed. about a bench roll, like, you know, I don't want to bring him up, but Matt Carpenter's locked down the bench roll. And then we look into other guys who might be possibilities, and we've already mentioned Justin Williams, Austin Dean, uh, John Nagowski mm-hmm. as well. But then you got to think about uh, utility infielders – you know, Edmundo Sosa is another name that's relevant. Mm-hmm. And then that uh, Angel Rendon, I believe that's his name. He's been yeah, yeah, cover yeah. off the baseball. Yeah, his... Mike Schill has already, you know, commented on his ability to bat. You know, the ball explodes off his bat. So, got to think about utility infielders. Um, but, again, Matt Carpenter being in our system just kind of screws that all up. Like, he's, like, get rid of, yeah. you know, kind of getting rid of Dexter Fowler, like shedding that payroll. Shedding the weight, you know, we are covering Dexter Fowler's payroll this year, but whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I, I would like to see some of these guys get a chance, and I want to see John Nagowski yeah. hit anymore because all he's done is hit. Mm-hmm. I, I agree, and that's – I think, you know, you would agree with me. The Cardinals, it's pretty rare that they let a young person do that. They really – they like giving people um, who have made at least somewhat uh, – of an impression in major league baseball at the major league base at the major league level. Uh, They're not very fond of doing that with young people. You know, there's a couple of instances here and there, you know, you think of Oscar Tavares, RIP, you know, rest in peace, you know, they let him up pretty early and they gave him that spot. Um, But tragically, you know, he did pass away, but I mean, that's one of the few, few, instances I can think of of the Cardinals letting someone young and kind of just saying, you know what, go for it. You're tearing it up. Continue to yeah. tear it up. And I, I don't think... go ahead. Yeah, I just No, you go. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I just don't foresee them doing that with Nagowski. Uh, they're most likely going to put Lane Thomas out there. If you go to Lane Thomas's uh, stat page on the Cardinals website, they they're already listing him <laughs> as a <laughs> center fielder. Uh, so, um, I, you know, don't take too much stock into that, but I, it's a very cardinal, uh, thing to do to put Lane Thomas in. He's been in the major leagues. He's got some at bats, you know, he battled with COVID last year. That's why he didn't play so well, but he's been up for a couple of years. Nagowski hasn't. Um, but man, I'd love to see him bat, man. I mean, he's just a gamer up there as a good little stick. Yeah. I had something going through my head and you can attest to this as well. And I'm trying to think of a comparison between the collegiate level and the major league level, and I don't like this, but having been a walk-on my first year at a Division II level and then getting a scholarship at an NAIA level, like seeing the level of opportunity that comes your way as a player, like it's just you get more vast opportunity to to show yourself, and the coaches don't believe in a walk-on. Like I know, you know, if you can play, you can play, but the looks you get when you're on scholarship and you're getting that money. So think about a guy like Matt Carpenter, like we're paying him 18 something million this year. Like that, that gives him a lockdown opportunity. Who's had a worse spring training than Matt Carpenter? Nobody. And I don't want to put too much stock 
or value into spring training because you know my dad's like well you know I was talking to my dad the mm-hmm. other day. he's like well Nolan Arenado's not really hitting either I'm like he'll, Nolan will be Nolan he'll be fine Nolan he'll has be a few just hits fine. he'll be yo <laughs> he's an all star every year right? we ain't just, worried about just him. Some <laughs> he's in the prime about like in terms of who's getting paid what kind of money you got to put some effort. Gotta see what you mm-hmm. got, you know. That's why uh, Mosaic's kind of like mm-hmm. you know, Carpenter's on his last year with us. You got to squeeze every ounce out of him, and that's why a guy like John Nagowski, who's already gonna be a bench role, you know, that's that's why I couldn't play professionally. Like I couldn't play out of my mind like that and still make shit money and not get the opportunity. That's what blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you being a college baseball player, you know. On the teams that I was on, I, I, I may be fortunate in this case, you know, going to junior college for two years and then going to a very competitive NAIA school. Uh, if you played well, you played on the field. It did not matter. If you got, you know, whether that was five at-bats, but you showed up for those five at-bats, you were going to get an opportunity if that other player was struggling. You were going to get those opportunities over them, and that's – what's super frustrating about the Cardinals year in and year out, not year in, I may be being a little harsh because I think of Matt Carpenter. Um, they, they let these players have these positions because of what they've done in the past, you know, and I mean past as in four years ago, um, rather than giving someone who's hot and performing, it may be a little untested and young and saying, Hey, you know, there's a 25% chance this person just goes off. Are the odds in their favor? No, but is letting John Nagowski hit a better bet than Matt Carpenter right now? I think most people would take that bet. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, we're just seeing another, that's what we love about spring training. One guy is just going to take off and whether he makes the club or not, is really Mm -hmm. not up to us. You know, I like to think that the Cardinals are going to have a good season and I'm going to have a lot to do with it as a fan. You know, that's the way I see it. You know, I, I told the, the co-workers the other day, like, oh, you know, the Cardinals team, you know, we're starting the season off here in about a week. And I go, if I have anything to do with it, we're going to play well this year. Like, you know, I mean, I just like yeah. to take some of this shit. You know? Damn, I think we should get yeah. on that damn payroll. Yeah. I want some of Carp's money. Holla at your boy. Right. Yeah, give me give me one hundred. Just throw me a nickel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Throw me a hundred. Just one. But, you know, you, you mentioned it, it takes an impact bench player or kind of a younger player. I was going to say this for later, but every team that is successful late in the playoffs, uh, you know, they've had injuries and they've had to have someone step up and, and fill a big role. It happens every single year. I mean, just look at how many injuries the Cardinals have had already and we're not even out of spring training. Um, so throughout the year, someone always has to stand up sure. or step up for your team to stay afloat. Who is that well, going to be? Uh, just uh, kind of echo what you're saying. I'm also thinking of who, like some of these teams, like look back when like the Cubs won it in 2016. I hate to bring them up, but at that point, their weakest link was almost a hobby bias. I'm not kidding. Like you almost, so now mm-hmm. our weakest oh, yeah. link on our team, who was a former perennial all-star is Matthew Carpenter. So now, you know, when he does show up in those moments, but you're asking me who's going to be that guy off the bench, I'm going to have to go out on a limb, and I think Matt Carpenter's going to have to be that guy and show up because you saw what he did coming off the bench against the Atlanta Braves in 2019 in the NLDS. I mean, he will give you a professional mm-hmm. at-bat. 
But, man, I, I'll be honest with you. I threw back some clips going back to 2013, 2014, 2015 with Matt Carpenter and watching his stance change throughout the years. He stands up a little different. bit taller every year, and his hands are just – he's just getting old, man. His hands are just getting slower. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you see guys like Yachty mm-hmm. who are improving offensively every year, and, and there's been some decline. But Yachty every year got better as a hitter. I mean, significantly better going back to 2005. Mm-hmm. I mean, so – Carpenter's just slow. Evolve or you're out of the game. And unfortunately, he yeah, would be if he wasn't getting money. paid. And just, you know, it's like, why are these guys still playing? Money like, keeps you in the game. There's a reason that like, some people, you know, just kind of phase out and you don't even hear about it. It's because they're making the league minimum. It doesn't matter. But when you're making $18 million uh, a year, you're, you're going to last longer because they have to pay you yeah. and you want to get paid. Even though you are the yeah, worst you player find on the way team. to be on the field, that's for sure. It doesn't matter. You know, I I understand that pick with Carpenter. Yeah, yeah, because we need it. Like he's getting every opportunity to uh, perform for us, and yeah, I kind of need him to show up. I guess if yeah. that makes sense. Um, who who's your pick? It, you know, I I I'm going back and forth. I I wrote out who I kind of expect to be like in the mix in and who I put is Nagowski Lane, Love Thomas, me some Lane Thomas, uh, Austin Dean, big on Lane Thomas. Um, uh, Nolan Gorman, you know, if, if they'll bring him up that Williams guy, he's up there. Um, or just, yeah, Justin Williams. Uh, but I honestly think it'll be O'Neal. Um, he won a gold glove last year, but he batted under 200. I don't, just wasn't his year at the plate. I mean, look what he's done this spring. The man can hit. It's just give him some consistent opportunities, and especially with Bader hurt right now, he's going to play the first month of the season. Sure. Every day. No, I mean, I've or just I about every day. Spring training alone, and he was kind of that guy, you know, one of those floater pieces. Like, okay, can he, you know, figure this out? You know, thank God he, because he's actually hit the piss out of the ball lately in the last month. Oh, hitting the crap out of the ball. But why it's so important for me is we know our core, when they're at their best, they're going to be doing really well. But the core doesn't win you games late in the season every single – you know, they'll get some big hits here and there. But it's not that player solely winning you every single – every game. It's the top and the bottom half of the lineup contributing – and when I, I made a little batting order, I, I went Edmund, Carlson, Goldie, Arenado, Yachty, O'Neal. So we have O'Neal bat in the six hole, and he produces, let's say he hits 24 home runs. It's more than 65 RBI. I think that's like on the low end of what he's capable of. If he goes above that, the Cardinals are a different team. He slides into the five spot. Yachty goes back one. I mean – one through five were solid. And that's what you need in the NL. You need sure. a really good one through five. With some people contributing down at the bottom. And that's where you have Yachty, who's going to do his thing. Dion will pop some home runs. And then you kind of slip in Nagowski, Thomas, Dean, Bader, um, all those guys in the eight hole. Um, but I think O'Neill is like, if he produces, it's, it's night and day what yeah. the Cardinals lineup looks like. I guess that isn't a bench player, but I, Man, I guess a young we, player. You know what we used to do uh, in the last few years? You're really getting my brain jiving a little bit. Uh, 
we used to always, between me, you, and Eric, like we take uh, Eric Hager, for those of you scoring at home, is another great Cardinal fan from St. Louis. He'll be on at some point <laughs> when he's not working. Um, you're right. You like that. Uh, <laughs> we always take hot takes. Remember, we write down like two or three, like real big hot takes. Dude, my mm-hmm. like immediate hot take, and I know you had mentioned Colton Wong, but I think Tommy Edmonds is going to make Colton Wong disappear. I think he's a freaking stud, man. And I think he's smart. And I think he's going to be a great player. And I think he's going to be an all-star here in about a year or two. I really do. Every at-bat he has in spring training has been solid. Makes every play. He's not going to hurt you. He's a little pissant, dude. He's like 170 pounds. Like, I'm on Tommy Edmond. And his, and his girl's a bay, dude. She's, he looks good. She looks like a little Asian <laughs> sensation. Hey, remember in Moneyball. what she is. Remember in Moneyball. When they're the, all the scouts are in the room, they're like, "No, we don't want to sign him. He's got no confidence." And they're like, "What are you talking about? Yeah. He's got an ugly girlfriend." That ain't the case. He's got man. no confidence. Tommy Evans, like they look like a really nice couple, and she looks like a real nice girl. I think they went to Stanford together. That's a guess. I don't know. I'm not trying to probably. get too deep in it's probably it's gonna. Life, but. but no, I totally agree. He uh, in two years. Let's backtrack. So this offseason, I do think that a decent amount of people were, you know, until the Arenado trade, pretty upset with the Cardinals and what they were doing. Um, Wong was pretty vocal about it um, on Twitter. Uh, Wainwright got signed and he tweeted, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, at least the Cardinals did one thing right this offseason. And, you know, I think that was kind of the mood for a lot of Cardinals fans until the Arenado trade. Um, You know, it's like, geez, okay, at least we got Wainwright. You know, we're not doing something. Edmund could make us forget I about that. Edmund's going to be a quickly. great player, and I just can't wait for everybody to see it. For me to be right, I have a knack. I have a knack, and I don't trust <laughs> enough, but I freaking know who's going to show up in the big leagues. Half the time, we let him go. Don't get me confused, you know. Freaking Tommy Pham, Luke Boyd, we just get rid of these guys. Like, Tommy Pham can play, and Luke Boyd can play. These guys, I love those players. Like, what, what? Yeah, but... I mean, we had to get rid of Voight to get Goldie. We got rid of Pham because he was injured all the time. We got rid of Voight for uh, the lefty. What was his name? Mm-hmm. Chase. Oh, I know. Something but Chase. it had to be done. No. Chassine. Chassine. Why don't you just call Deer? Don't, re- try, to, don't try to spice yeah, it up, Chassine. sir. Deer Tay. Yo, Deer Tay. <laughs> <laughs> But but we didn't have a spot yeah, for a boy. It, it didn't matter. Been on a tan, and man. guess what? If you wanted to say that we didn't get what we deserved, Chase in return, and Shreve. but you never Chase do. The person giving away the – Shreve, yeah. But the person – the team giving away the better and player never wins. It's never fair. I Unless you just get luck. No, no transactions fair, but it's also – there's a few reasons why Voight is doing very, very well. It's He kind of got traded at the right time in his career where he kind of had that young pep in his step, but he's going to a ballpark that is literally tailor-made for him. He could not put those same number. If he got the same opportunity in St. Louis, he wouldn't be putting the exact – he'd be putting up good numbers, but not the great numbers that he's really been putting up the last couple of years. All he's got to do is just poke at the right field, and it's over the fence. That's his bread and butter. 
And then he can turn on a ball, you know, and put it down the left field line at Yankee Stadium. Oh, yeah. That, it's sure. a hitter's park. Bush Stadium's not easy to hit home runs in. People are acting like, oh, we're missing out on a 30-plus home run. It's like, you know, no, but he probably would not do that here. It's very hard no, agree, to hit 30 agree. home I runs. I mean, the in only hitter-friendly park. I guess non-hitter friendly park in the central is the Cardinals. We got Brewers I mean, and the Pirates. Other than Wrigley, when it's you know late in the night, mm-hmm. it's windy as shit, and that's about it. Yeah, Wrigley goes either way. It's either very hitter friendly or very yeah, hitter friendly, yeah, depending definitely. on where the wind's blowing. I don't want to go down that you know trail now. We let's get back on topic. Where were we at? Earlier. So so you know we'll we'll digress a little bit. So we kind of talked about. You know, O'Neill, Nagowski. Um, I just wanted to get your take on – I'm assuming it's left field that is going to be that that slot that somebody's going to sure. take while Bader's out. Um, you can throw Carlson or, or O'Neill in, in center. Dylan you could play, you could play either of them in it. That's the plan. You think, I'm telling you that right now. Yeah, yeah. And then O'Neill can play left or right. So it's just, you know, whatever position those two aren't playing – Kind of what's your take on so, who's uh, going in I, there for Vader? This is just what I what I think. You know, I can't be like what I know. I feel like I'm so part of the system sometimes. Like, you know, like what I say matters. Anyways. Um, <laughs> no, I would say that if, you know, with Bader being out, thank God. I think this is going to give an opportunity for a lot of guys to play. But um, Dylan Carlson's got to be plugged in. Um, Dylan Carlson's got to be plugged in at center. Left is going to be... I'm going to go Tyler O'Neill for sure, but that really depends if John Nagowski plays or not. And then right field is, I guess, Justin Williams. It really just depends what you do with John Nagowski. Yeah. Well, Williams isn't going to be up. Mosaic already said he's yeah. starting in the minors. Um, and he has to stay down well, there for so then long. Then you put John Nagowski be back by then. So Tyler I'm Tyler O'Neill in right because you want the better arm in right field. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. But I had watched a game yeah. the other day, John. And it's Gowski like, had, you know, obviously it was great at the plate. And I'm okay with that. Like, dude, we tried to put Matt Adams in left field. Like, we put Carpenter in left field. We put all, yeah. we put Chris Duncan in left field. Yeah. So, hey, rest in peace. Man. <laughs> Shit. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, if, no if I had it my way, I'd go John Nagowski in left. All right, let me just – let's just – since you already brought up a lineup, you know, I'd start – I'd go John Nagowski in left, Dylan Carlson in center, and then Tyler O'Neill in right field. I think that's the oh, yeah. move. But awesome. I, I, there's some people who are right, and they're really going to think that Justin Williams is going to start in the outfield. I don't know. And then you go, you know, Goldie at first, Edmund second, DeYoung short, Arenado third, Yachty behind the dish. Um and then in terms of lineup, and I don't want to get too far away of your topic, but Tommy Edmond leads off, of course. I think you sure, can go I there. I got I got mine written down too. So if you want to, if you, you want to adjust, you know, playing second, leading off, um, hitting first, second. I think you go Paul Goldschmidt, hitting two hole, just to start, just to make sure he gets up enough right mm-hmm. now. You know, maybe Carlson when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. He's sure. typically well, a slow you got start a guy. guy. Like Dylan Carlson is young. Maybe you don't plug him in in the two hole right away. And then you go Nolan Arenado hitting third, and then four is going to be really you know between Paul DeYoung and Tyler O'Neill hitting in that four hole. And then I think you go Dylan Carlson fifth. You know I think he's just going to give you a good at bat, and then that could be followed by you know Paul DeYoung and then Yachty, and then so on, and then you get to the pitcher. So 
That's where I'm at with it. I, I think Goldie will start in the two-hole, and you had mentioned earlier you think it's going to be Dylan Carlson. Yeah, that that's just what I would do. It, I like Goldie in the two spot with a couple of – if you know, a couple of players were different. Um, my reasoning for this is Edmonds, he's, he's going to get on base. He's going to get you singles. He's going to walk. He's going to steal bases, which is good. Carlson being in front of Goldie and in front of Arenado only ensures him to get more pitches to hit because they if Edmund gets on or he doesn't, Carlson's on first. They have to pitch to Goldie and Arenado. So that's my mind. Is let's get Carlson the most fastballs as possible at the beginning of the season so that he can kind of boost that confidence, get some solid hard base hits uh, kind of out of the way at first. Dude, he turned on a Sandy Alcantara 95 mile an hour fastball in the inner half. Woo. Boom, bomb. Like that's that's a big league hitter. That's a so, big league To the moon. That's a big league hitter. That's sure. a big league hitter. He, uh, you know, he had some good signs last year. He had a lot of really good at-bats, but, uh, you know, just hits-wise was, you know, coming up a little bit short. I think it's what you expect, but not his talent level. But I just think him in the two-hole gives him pitches to hit, gets him on base, Goldie and Arenado. Those two, I think, are going to be interchangeable. I think that, you know, if one's struggling, they're going to go in front of the other for that same reason. So they get more pitches to hit, give them, a, you know, the most most chance for success. But, you know, I don't like DeYoung. You had DeYoung pretty high up. You had him, I think, what, in the four hole? Did I? No, Maybe. I went. Yeah. Actually, I made up. Oh, you went O'Neal? I Did went you go Edmund, O'Neal. O'Neal, uh, Arenado. I think I might have skipped over it. I didn't mean to. Yeah, I would go. Oh, man, that's what makes it tough. Like, shoot. Because that's when you want Carlson to be in the two-hole. It's you want Goldie Arnado 3-4. Like, oh, it's frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. The thing is, we don't have enough behind Arenado to put yeah. Goldie second. That four-hole hitter is going to be pitched really tough if you got Goldie and Arnado 2-3. So, yeah. I don't think Tyler O'Neill gives you those at-bats that you're looking for. Because one – and let's say Edmund gets out. I'm just saying, you know, either Edmund – one or two gets on, the other gets out. Sure. Arenado third, DeYoung, O'Neal, or Yachty are behind him. What do you think is going to happen? They're going to walk him or pitch around him. Let him get himself out. You got to set your, your players up for success in how they're going to be pitched. And I just – I love Goldie in that two spot. I think he is, you know, this kind of new age thinking, like have a really, really good, you know, like Joey Votto type hitter in the two hole. Uh, I'm a huge fan of that, but I don't think that leads the rest of the team up for success right now. Okay. No, I, I don't disagree with you. It's just – man, that four hole is key. Ugh. Yeah. It's huge. Would you rather have Arenado there? Or DeYoung or O'Neal or Yachty because they've been batting all of them in the four hole. And it quite honestly scares me to see Yachty in the four hole. Yachty's a 
good hitter. He get on base. He he's great situationally. One of the best, honestly. Will just poke a ball for a base hit. But I don't want my four hitter just trying to poke a ball, you know, trying to loop one over the second baseman for a hit. I want them driving and runs. Okay. No, I mean I don't disagree with you in any way, shape, or form. I'm just I'm I'm saying you're wrong. And yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Right, right now. <laughs> I'm throwing my shirt off. I'm gonna throw my fist. But cool. No, no, we've talked about some good stuff. Uh, you know, I think it's one of the most solidified starting eight for the Cardinals that we've had in in you know the past couple of years. Because I mean, the only thing that you and I argued about, not even we didn't even argue. We were on the same page. Just batting order was, you know, left or right field, AK, who's going in for Bader. Every other position is pretty much solidified. Um, but the rotation in the bullpen is up for grabs for a handful of people, to say the least. You know, whether it's on the starters or um, or the back end of the bullpen, it's kind of anybody's game to be that four or five or closer setup guy. It's going to be wide open. I mean, shit, dude. Michael, Miles Michaelis is out for a hot minute. So, you're real. Mm-hmm. Dude, I was talking to my dad the other day, too. You know, Adam Wainwright looks really good. Man, he just learned how to yeah. pitch. Like, did you hear him <laughs> it's, in his It's interview? spring training, but did damn it. Did you hear him in his interview? <laughs> no, dude, no. he came out, man. I mean, I, oh, my God, dude. It was beautiful. Adam Wainwright was just talking. He's like, I feel better than I did in my, you know, tw- late 20s, early 30s. He's 38 right now, I believe. I'm not. 100% sure, yeah. but that means his arm feels great. I mean, there was a point in his time where he was he was done, dude. I mean, remember he came back? It was like 2017 or 2018, something. Yeah, it was I mean, ugly. he couldn't throw above 82. And, dude, he's sitting 90 right now, 91 a little bit, and learned how to pitch, man. He's really spotting up. Like, I don't know, dude. I'm like, <laughs> dude, Adam Wainwright might be a huge key to this success this year. And, I, and he even said, like, he's not done. Like, he's still going to keep it rolling. Oh, no. And that's what you got to love. But I think that – I think he has a a little bit of extra motivation, you know, it being, quote-unquote, him and Yadi's last year. But not only that, but the team needs – he's the veteran. He's the veteran on the pitching staff. Everyone looks up to him. There's no taking that away from him. Everyone looks up to him. It's his last year. The Cardinals need him to sure. step up. And he will. I think he'll answer the call. And he's like, I. he goes, the one part about me, you know, with the injuries and having restrictions on me as a pitcher, like, that was really frustrating. He's like, dude, I'll give you I'll give you 12 innings a night, like, whatever you need. Like, I'm just – I'm going to be a bulldog. So, again, like, it lines up, you know, Jack Flair is going to take opening day. Adam Wainwright's going to get the opening start at home, which is great. And then Carlos Martinez to follow. And then – KK is apparently making progression in the right direction. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, we're, yeah. that's just a crapshoot there. I mean, our pitching has always been what's kind of carried us, more or less our bullpen, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But those four – yeah, so, excuse me, Flaherty, Wayno, Martinez, KK, and then, you know, you're going to see a little bit of a maybe a Ponce de Leon, you know, because Miles Michaelis isn't going to throw. And I think they're going to keep Alex. Ray so the update on in the bullpen. Yeah. Then, the, well, he's on an innings limit. So, it, I mean, unless it's like emergency, he won't sure. start. 
But for Michaelis, they say he's he's throwing. He'll get on the mound um, before spring training ends. And then we'll go to um, Sajé and uh, throw some innings there before he comes back up. So we won't see him anytime soon. KK, don't know the update on KK. But KK, Ponce yeah, Leon, the update on he KK is, is he's, he's slated to pitch in this rotation when, when opening day happens. I mean, he's that poor guy. Okay. As of now. Okay. So if you do, if you're on the, you know, MLB Cardinals website and you go for probable pitchers, meaning, you know, who's going to pitch on the schedule, they have Ponce de Leon throwing. Oh, wait, no, that's today. Excuse me. This is still spring training. Never mind. Damn it. Jack Flaherty's throwing. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, was gonna say, I saw too. that earlier. Got to hear it. Got to give it up. No, it, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a writer. It was just on the schedule, and I thought this was. I thought this was a schedule for the. Uh, when is joy? When is joy? The season, not spring training. So we can talk and eat sandwiches. <laughs> oh my! I need a. Uh, we're gonna get Blue City Deli first. I need the Mike Ooh. Spicy. Uh, this is brought to you by Blue City Deli and the Mike Spicy uh, Beef and Cheddar Sandwich. We are not getting paid for this, but it is sponsored by Blue City Deli. Joyo's is next episode. Need the spicy Dude, it's garnet. been a long time since I, I don't want to get off topic. We'll get back on in a minute. But, like, to be able to go back to something you were at, like, I am so excited to get back to St. Louis this summer. And I plan to probably the end of June, I think, is what I'm kind of aiming towards. And that's just going to be a joy. Like, oh, how much so can much I get fun. done in 72 hours? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm just so excited for for you know home opener. I think a lot of people are going to be downtown. Not that many people are going to be yeah, in the stadium, still at but 50%. I think a lot of people are going to be downtown. BPV, yeah, BPV said that they're going to open up to some capacity, you know, whatever that is. But all the outside, I mean, people are going to be downtown, and I'm excited to be down there. You know, Madeline and my wife's nine months pregnant right now, ready to Boom. pop anytime soon, but. You know, it's it's fun for me as a soon to be dad to be to be going to spring training or not spring training, home opener while, you know, right before she gives birth and then every single year, you know, let let us have a tradition of going to opening day or home opener every single year as a family. I mean, there's just nothing nothing more gets me excited as, as a dad than man. That. Well I I just pray for a, a healthy birth and you guys will be great, man. I'm very excited for that. April 20th is still the date. April 20th is the due date, but he's 90, 90th. <laughs> Hitler's birthday is what every adult yeah. tells me. Um, I don't know why they feel so inclined to tell me um, that that's the same date, but they do. But uh, you know, he's 95th percentile in size, so he'll probably come early, which is a good thing. You know, We want a big kid. We need a 6'6", throwing downhill, strong 12'6", cutter change up combo so you know we're on the right track right now absolutely so where are we at here let's get let's get back on track a little bit so we had (laughs) had discussed our lineups we had discussed outfield situations um we just got done talking about pitching and then we get into the bullpen and one of the one of Mm -hmm. the question marks is our closer role and i don't think that needs to be defined in may you know or april for that matter Uh, Jordan Hicks is coming out. Tommy John, as we know, sat out the season prior, the short COVID season. He is a type one diabetic, I think, uh, type one, type two. I'm not sure. 
Uh, and so he was just, you know, putting it out of safety measure. Uh, he's he was coming be just back. Fine. I mean, I saw him the other day. He was throwing 99. Yeah. You know, he's not throwing 103 at the moment, but I'm sure that'll be there at some point. Yeah. I, 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 I you give the ball to against Cincinnati opening day and say we're, you know, 2 1 going into the ninth, who gets the ball? I mean, my favorite, my most reliable person in the bullpen, just because Hicks hasn't pitched enough, he is that person. I just want him to pitch a little bit more. But you're saying in Cincinnati, uh, I'm giving it to John Gant. I mean, there's no one I feel more comfortable with on the mound in a pressure situation than him. He gets out. What if John Gant gets that fifth spot in the rotation? See, that's the problem. Gant would most likely be a seven. Seventh inning, any guy in the season or you know early season in the rotation. I mean, then it comes down to: Are you giving it to Miller? Are you giving it to Reyes? Martinez is probably in the starting rotation. Had a good. I guess you know, it's a spot. You know, it's a spot um, situation too. Like, what if Joey Votto's leading off the ninth? You know, then go to Andrew Miller and get that first lefty out, and then try to ride him. Yeah. You know, out in the ninth inning, and yeah, he's the most veteran experience. And, yeah. How bullpens are are run nowadays, it's so different than, you know, six years ago. It's so situational. So there's not that many true closers anymore. I would say at least 40% of the teams, if not more, don't have a designated closer. So it's hard to say that. But, I mean, for the wow factor and for clickbait, you know, you'll say Reyes and Hicks because they're the most exciting. I sure. I mean, Reyes has been actually solid too. I think he's only had a few walks this whole spring. His first one was the other week. I mean, he's really been red solid. He's a three plus pitcher, fastball curve change. Really just comes down and throwing strikes. I mean, it's that simple. Mm-hmm. I, and even when he's pitching good, my blood pressure is still high. <laughs> Why do you say that? You know, because it's kind of like, uh, Martinez pitching. Martinez could have a no hitter going into the seventh, and unless we're up by five, I'm I'm still like, okay, this could go yeah. south really quick. Oh, dude, you're <laughs> like, so right. All it takes, you're all so it takes, right. is two batters. I don't like that, but I <laughs> right. do at the same time because he's he can be come in and be electric, but that's really just because of his past. I mean, yeah, facing a lot of track yeah. and track record. And- I mean. But that's the thing with Reyes. You know, he could go up and he'll go throw an immaculate inning. You know, he'll go throw nine pitches and with three strikeouts with yeah. nine swings and misses. So, it's, it's I don't know. Sometimes those players have the highest potential, but they're low. Very they're low. also yeah. very well, you low. You know, best case scenario, yeah. Jordan Hicks finds his roots very quickly within the first month of the season, and we kind of get that settled. I mean, I'm not – Yeah. it's not about how you start, it's how you finish. That's the way I feel. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, we're, I'm excited to see what the starting rotation can do longevity-wise. I mean, people are going to get hurt. That I mean, it happens to every single team. But how are the people like Ponce de Leon – Martinez, Gant, Michael is. How are these people going to do? We know what we're pretty much going to get out of Flaherty and Wayno. Um, Wayno is just going to be a crafty veteran. Flaherty's going to have a really 
high ceiling. Uh, he'll have some bad starts where he gets in some trouble. But positive pitcher, you don't really – you're not shaking when he's on the mound. It's, it's what all those uh, replacement fillers, what can they do over a whole season? Can they stay healthy? Can they throw strikes? But if they throw strikes, are they going to get, you know, knocked around the park? So the, every every single one of those players, those pitchers, are capable of going south, but also north very easily. So there's a lot of a lot of question marks around the three, four, five, in my opinion. And it, it can be very, very exciting to watch, but it may be a very 100%. hard season to watch too. One hundred percent. So we'll see, man. I mean, shit. I just hope everything gets better. Fans, fans are going to get back in the seats, hopefully a little bit more uh, as the season goes on. More and more people get the vaccine. More people are allowed in the stadium. More people in the stadium. We know, I mean, we've been to Bush Stadium. I'm, I'm sure most of our listeners have too. Um, it's, it's a different atmosphere when a lot of fans yes, are there sir. having yes, fun. Sir. But we're excited for the season to start. Uh, any any last uh, – Last comments, concerns. My concern is why is an opening day here? <laughs> Shit. Dude, I haven't been this excited in a while. And I was joking the other day talking to some coworkers, like, all I get down here in Austin, Texas. I live in Austin, Texas, for those of you scoring at home as well. All it is is Rangers games and Houston games. And I it's gonna be a lot less frustrating for me as a fan now because there's a lot of downs and some ups, you know, as a fan and being in St. Louis, mm-hmm. living there for the living there for the past five years prior to moving here and you catch every game, every moment, every pregame, every postgame, and I won't get mm-hmm. that anymore. I, I'm going to watch, you know, I'm going to stream the games and see what I can, but I'm not going to be as pissed off as a fan, I don't think, as some of you guys may be. You're going to see a lot more than I do. No, don't worry. Me and Eric, we'll, uh, we'll fill you in. Don't worry. We'll, we'll let you know all of our grievances as the season goes on. So you'll, you'll, you'll live <laughs> them vicariously through right on, us. Man, right on. Well, hey, man. Uh, Thanks for having me on, dude. Above average fans. Uh, a tradition that's becoming a legacy, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. It's always fun. Always a pleasure. Go Cardinals. Excited to have baseball back. Excited to have you back in St. Louis, you know, whenever that will be. But pleasure to talk to of you course, tonight, man. Of course. Hope you have Cheers, a good man. Night. Take care. All right, JT, can you hear me? Tenfold. Got you loud and clear. <laughs> Got you loud and clear down here in Texas. Uh, Good thing we can edit this. Um, But cool. So I just made a little intro like before. So I'll just three, two, one. All right, everybody. Welcome back. We're going a little bit out of order. Uh, I just introduced JT a little bit uh, on our little intro. Uh, JT's here. Uh, let him uh, tell you a little bit about a little bit about himself. Uh, like I said, he's down in Austin, Texas. We um, knew each other from the brewery. Love the Cardinals. Um, what's going on, JT? Hey, man. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, call me Dwight. Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah. Uh, uh, really happy to be here. Uh, just to talk about myself, since you give me the opportunity, man, what a what a platform to have, uh, what a spotlight to put me on. Excuse wow, me. yeah, yeah, you know, so born and raised in Indiana, uh, kind of in that Cubs territory, north 
west of Indiana, and I'm so thankful. My my dad loved me. Uh, my mom doesn't really care for baseball. She always told me as a Tom Hanks fan of uh, League of Their Own, there's no crying in baseball. That's all my mom ever said to me. And all I ever did grow up was cry as a baseball player. It's such a, such a frustrating sport. But, yeah, so born and raised in Lafayette, Indiana. A diehard Cardinals fan, excuse me, huge Cardinal fan. I mean, above average fan with a Z at the end yeah. of that. And, uh, you know, throughout the years, my, my dad's side of the family, we kind of – a tradition, again, that became a legacy. And you can find our brick in center field. Uh, going back to when I was born in 1993, I mean, even prior to that, my, my dad before his, we were all Cardinal fans. And every summer we would spend a weekend and come over to St. Louis and, and catch Cardinal games and stay at the Millennium Hotel, rest in peace. Can't imagine, <laughs> can't imagine the asbestos that's going on in that hotel right now. You know, it's probably lucra- lucrative, but um, anyway, so yeah, big Cardinal fan, uh, lived in, had the opportunity, and what a joy, one of the best times in my life, uh, I took a job at Anheuser-Busch, my uncle's been in brewing, shout out to Mark Yoakum, we'll get him on here at one point, it's been a brewer with Anheuser-Busch uh, InBev now, what it used to be association, uh, for damn near 30 years, and uh, he really wants to get on here and talk about some feed, but uh. Lived in can St. I have Lewis. a quick Mark? Can I have a quick Mark Yoakum story? Can I? Sure, can sure. I, Go ahead. I know exactly the story you're going to tell, but yeah, let's hear. It. I, you you probably do. So, you know, JT and I have been working together. It's been over a year, um, and he goes, "Hey, my my uncle has some some Cardinals tickets for tonight's game. You, you want to go?" And I was like, "I'm not going to say no to that. Are you kidding me?" And uh, as JT said, you know, he's, he's been uh, a part of brewing uh, for a while. Um, so the man, he drinks a couple of beers every single day. So he's used to drinking some Budweiser. He gets paid to drink. He's a quality control <laughs> <laughs> he, he's got He's got what every man wants to be his job. Uh, but he has a pretty hard job, and he, do, and he does it really well. So Mark picks us up from the brewery. You know, we're right down the street from the, the stadium. And Mark goes, I know a spot. So, you know, he parks what seems to be the furthest parking lot that you can pay to park in as possible. I mean, it is blocks away. And he goes, this is a three-beer walk. He goes, by the time you walk inside Bush Stadium, you'll be finishing that third beer. And (laughs) God damn it, if I wasn't finishing that third beer as I walked in, Mind you, Mark's like on his fifth beer, and it's not even like it's water to him. This man can put down Budweiser's better than anybody I've ever seen before. But if you're going to Bush Stadium and you're going to see a Cardinals game, my only advice, thank you, Mark Yoakum, the three-beer walk. I was there. I remember that. Yeah, that was good <laughs> times. Uh, and, again, we'll have him on at some point. So, yeah, I, I had the chance to live in St. Louis for five years and absolutely loved it. I love St. Louis, love the town. Love everything about it. It just screams me, if you know me. Like I love mm-hmm. beer, love baseball. I love, I love friends. I love hanging out. I'm not a, not, I'm, I'm just a classy broad. Let's put it. That love way. a good deli sandwich. Love a good deli sandwich. Huge, huge sandwich fan. A lot of good delis in St. Louis. Um, so yeah, and then now I, I live down here in Austin, Texas. Uh, never thought I'd live in Austin, Texas. Here I am. Uh, still a Cardinals fan, and if not an even bigger Cardinals fan, it continues to grow every year, and uh, there's reasons for that. I mean, I just I just enjoy I enjoy the fanmanship, the fanhood of uh, St. Louis. So, yep, that's that's all I can think of at the moment. Yeah, 
Yes, sir. Well, uh, thank, thanks for bringing us up to speed. And, and you know, you, you touched on a little bit on what I wanted to talk about today. And that's, you know, what it, what it means to be a Cardinals fan. And what I mean by that is all of my great memories as a kid, not all of them, but the ones that stand out to me are cardinal moments that I got to experience with my family members and friends. Every time I look back, I go, I look through the, you know, the years I've been alive. It's not too many, you know, a few decades, but uh, it goes, oh my gosh, 2006. I remember watching the Cardinals with my mom and dad in the family room for that last game or, you know, whatever it is, I can think of so many different memories. 2011, I remember being at home when David Freeze hit that triple. I was watching TV in my basement by myself, and I could hear on my parents' TV upstairs, David, my mom going crazy before the pitch hits downstairs. So her TV was in front of mine. And I hear my mom go crazy. I see it happen. I start screaming. My mom, dad, and I are literally jumping up and down in the house, and it's just the three of us. But it's those moments that we can look back and, you know, it's nothing but pure bliss that, that just makes me so happy to be a Cardinals fan because it, it, I can go through any year and I can think of a memory that I've had with my family. And I know you've had some pretty special moments uh, over the years of men's weekend. And uh, I'd, I'd just love with you to, uh, to share on our new Spotify platform. You know what men's weekend is men's weekend is and what it means to you oh man i i would hate to do it i i don't even know if i can do it justice you got enough I'd, time <laughs> I, yeah i'd love to have the family um weigh in on that opportunity but i mean being a cardinal fan and someday even my uncle paul who lives over in europe at the time but you know I, it was kind of instilled in us and my my grandpa mike uh they we were uh, mid, not quite Southern Illinois, but like the mid, mid level of Illinois. It was out of what to be exact where my dad's side of the family grew up. And, uh, if you're familiar with Illinois, I mean, the North side is Chicago, White Sox, Cubs fans, whatever. And then as soon as you get into Southern Illinois, even Southern Indiana, when you go East, it's all Cardinal fans. And then you get into Reds fans you know, when you get into Ohio. But, uh, I don't know, man, like I- I'm just spoiled, like. Everything about it was just magic, you know, coming to St. Louis every year. So my dad has two brothers, uh, Paul and Mark. So the three brothers and then my grandpa. So those, you know, him and his two brothers, we'd all bring the kids. and We'd all stay at the Millennium Hotel every summer and we would go to Cardinal games. And it was just magical, man. I just remember, like, I can still see it today, like coming over the Mississippi River and and seeing, you know, the Millennium Hotel. It's one of the tallest buildings downtown. It's sad that it's vacant, but. One of the nicest, just beautiful buildings. They, I remember back in the day, back in the day, they had one of those three hundred and sixty restaurants where it kind of rotate mm-hmm. on the top. That was mm-hmm. there, and you could actually go underground and get to the parking garage where we would park. We parked right across the street, and then obviously you had Bush too. That was just on the other side of that. So just a, a light, brisk walk to get over to the stadium. But man, what what a nostalgic feeling to like. I mean, I I I lived a pretty good life as a kid, but. Coming to St. Louis every year was was better than Christmas. I'll put it that way. There's a when you're driving on 40 and you get the the first glimpse. I guess it wouldn't have been as as many bricks 
when you were a kid, you know, before the new Bush Stadium. Sure. But I mean, when I drive in from from Illinois and I start to see those bricks of Bush Stadium, even like in December when it's, you know, it's nowhere near the season. I get so excited just driving by the stadium. So I can only imagine almost, you know, not seeing that for a year, every single year, and then being able to see that side Bush Stadium as you see the arch, as you come over the river, you see all those things, just how exciting that would be. Exactly. And being a kid, you know, we didn't look into the numbers or the business side of the game or the detail. We just were excited to see the team and the stadium and be in the atmosphere. And I want to kind of touch on a couple moments. You had mentioned uh, 2011, game six. Nice. I I heard that. Um, (laughs) The quality on this is spectacular. Um, It feels so good with with, when he jokes. Um, Anyways. Um, (laughs) 2011 was a big year. Uh, I didn't even finish high school in Indiana. I went to a high school in Illinois, and I was living with my cousins, who none of them were Cardinal fans. And I remember myself personally staying up late at night in the living room and watching game six and just running into my cousin's room, who is now a Cardinals fan, by the way. Big Cardinals fan, actually. But we got him a jersey. We got him hooked. It's <laughs> got him on. Yeah, Patrick Killay. Actually getting married. I just found out the other day. Congrats to him. He's marrying a Cubs fan. I don't know how they're going to make it work. Best of luck. Uh-oh. But um, anyways, uh, so, you know, I, I woke up, we tied it, we tied it, you know, anyways. But my, my favorite memory was not even 2011, it was 2006. And it's a very basic memory. I just remember every night staying up late, just laying in my bed by myself and watching every Cardinal game. And it wasn't even the World Series that was so memorable to me. It was that series against the Mets. I don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. That Mets series was unbelievable. They were loaded, dude. Oh, my God. They were Carlos very good. Delgado at first. They had Jose Reyes. Beltran. Young Jose, Jose Reyes, Reyes. Carlos Beltran. David Wright. Uh, Jose Valentin. They were loaded. Uh, Billy Wagner was their closer. I mean, they were solid, dude. I mean, I just thought it was a huge victory. And um, I really enjoyed that. So Taguchi, big home run. So Taguchi was one of the moments I remember. And I also remember Scott Spigio. I don't know if it was game mm-hmm. five or six where Larusa decided to play him. And he had a big triple in one of those games. And, oh, my gosh, dude. I mean, Tony, he had that eye that would dude. put people in the right position to let them succeed on the right he day. Sat, he and sat it didn't Chris matter Duncan. if it was the playoffs or not. He sat Chris yeah. Duncan that game. I think it was playing right. Yeah, Decided to play Scott Spezio, and he played out of his mind. And that's why, to this day, for for none of you that know, I, I work from home every single day, and I'm lucky enough to have a, a nice big desk. And, and on that desk, uh, I have a few prized possessions. I have my a picture of my wife, Madeline. Um, but much bigger and much larger, I have my autographed Tony La Russa right there. And, you know, he inspires me every single day. In my sales job, when he's not of how well he when he's not getting a DUI, <laughs> yeah, as he uh, falls asleep at a red I'm light. I'm not discrediting dude. Print. The dude's a hell of a coach, man. Like that's just yeah. I just don't... he won with the White Sox. He won man. with the White with Sox. The White Sox and back with the White Sox. Oh he, yeah, he was with them at one point. You're right. That was way came back up with the White Sox, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that was his first managerial role, and then he went to the A's and then to the Cardinals. Um, he was one of the youngest, and then skippers. to the Diamondbacks. One of the youngest skippers. Yeah, and 
you know, I, I bet that's it. It, it kind of it's going to be weird seeing him over in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, it's it's necessary. I mean, as long as he's with the Cubs, that would be that would be horrible. <laughs> Have you ever been to? I I don't even know what they're calling it now. So he, but where the White Sox he play? He managed uh, his last year with the White Sox was 1986. And then he would have went to Oakland, I suppose. Yeah, because he's, he's 35 years later. Yeah, so he is, yeah, Chicago White Sox, um, yeah, Oakland, and then St. Louis. I don't know, when was his first year with St. Louis? Um, what year would that have been? We would have been so young. Yeah, I'm not trying to think. Uh, not sure um, where are we at here. Yeah, I got nothing. I mean, you just had it up. You did. You got it up. No, I thought you did. Regardless, you know, um, you know, just back to you know what it means to be a Cardinals fan. What it, I think, just as a kid, it's it's like you were saying, like those moments, you know, just crossing the river and kind of seeing the arch, going to see Bush Stadium for the first time that year. It's it's just better than Christmas. Nostalgic. Sure. And that, 96 to I mean, 2011, for the record. There you go, 96 to 11. But those moments, I mean, as a kid, I mean, you don't even have to live in St. Louis or even go to Cardinals games, but I feel like every single Cardinals fan kind of has that feeling or memories, those nostalgic memories that, that can stick out more than just, you know, other fun times in their lives. And, and it's just the Cardinals. It's just the organization, what it means to – the fans it's it, it's what makes me really excited to be a dad and be able to share that with my son you know he's going to be coming here in a few weeks my wife's nine months pregnant right now so walter's going to be popping out anytime soon and being able to, to share you know home openers opening days world series uh with him is just one of the most exciting things for me as a soon-to-be dad to look and forward to. And you got to do it early, too. I heard in those one-, two-, and three-year-old years is when the baby remembers the most. So definitely hammered on it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 100%. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be there every single home opener. I already told Madeline, and she, she's on board. Uh, we're getting them out of school every single home opener. Like, I'm taking off PTO that day. Sorry, you won't Hell see me. Yeah. I'm not going to be slinging anything that day. Uh, I'm going to be at Bush Stadium with my son, and and if Madeline wants to come, <laughs> if she if she can get off that day, Madeline will sit on your lap. The baby gets his own seat for 100. percent I'm I'm cool with that. <laughs> and it, you know it's it's fun because you know at a Cardinals game, it doesn't matter if you're behind the dugout or behind home plate or if you're on the, the picket fence, not the picket fence, the chain lake fence behind home plate, it doesn't matter. Every seat you have just as much fun. And I would and I would argue those higher seats are more fun. And you know, it doesn't matter if you're a young kid or an adult. It's just a fun atmosphere. I agree. I mean I think I've sat in every part of that park, man, from anywhere to bushes seats to right, left field, nosebleeds. Don't care. <laughs> I'll get relevant. <laughs> it's all that matters to me. Right, and it just doesn't matter where you are. You as long as you uh, surround yourself with loved ones and St. Louis Cardinals, I mean, you're destined for a good time. Yes, sir, yes, sir. So where are we at? What, what what's something else we can discuss tonight? I'm interested. What do we got? 
I don't know. Let's see. That's never an answer. Uh, I, I, I'm thinking something, but I, it's, it's an unpopular opinion. Um, and, I, and I know you agree with me. We've touched on it in our other podcasts that are on a different channel. But, um, you know, a lot of the Major League Baseball, especially the MLB social media, is extremely high on Jack Flaherty. And I think he's a great pitcher who has really, really good potential. Sure. But, you know, at times, a lot of people can put him in the same category as, like, Garrett Cole. These Degroms, you know, these upper echelon pitchers, because they're assuming he will be those right. one of those. Are you asking me? Let the guy pitch. No, I'm just saying, let the guy pitch because I don't see him from what he's proven to be that level. Because he he has not gone out consistently, start after start. And been consistent. He hasn't. He'll go and blow your socks off one game. And then the next game, he, you know, for the next three games, he doesn't get out of the fifth inning. And when you do that repeatedly, it doesn't matter if you, you know, you strike out nine or ten in five innings. If you are out by the fifth inning consistently. Because that means your bullpen has to pitch four innings every single time you pitch. That's not counting the four other starters. That just weighs on a team over and over. Oh, like Throughout a season, it, it can really hurt you. But my point is, do you think Jack Flaherty is as good as As advertised. Height? As uh, advertised. You know, when we had some young bucks coming up, you know, Jack Flaherty to me was one of those guys who was a true pitcher, not just a thrower. Um, I, I don't know. He's got good stuff. I mean, that's, I think that's fair to say. So what do you mean by he, he was a pitcher, not a thrower? Uh, I mean, to be honest, he didn't throw above 95. So he already wasn't a thrower. A thrower is somebody who throws hard, doesn't ultimately know where it's going. And, but it doesn't matter. I would argue that him at that? times. I mean, he can hit 97. Uh, back when he first came up in the league, he was 93, 94. He's okay, he, he's consistently – he sits 94. Which is nice. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he's got three, four pitches now. I mean, he's plus-plus guy. He's got everything you want. He's young. I mean, don't forget how young he is, man. I mean, some of these guys, like, baseball is such a game of maturity. Like, I sometimes wish I could go back and play. Because I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm so much more mature as a player now, and I watch the game differently and see the game differently. And it just takes time, mm-hmm. man. I mean, Isn't that the hardest part? What? <laughs> I think just being out of the game and maturing in a different way. Like, you look out on the game, you look back on the game, and you're like, man, I would play so much more wisely if I could Agreed. go back. Yeah, it's – God, it's such a mental game. It's difficult. I, I'd rather – like. Yeah. I was at a Division One uh, series a couple weekends ago at Dell Diamond on the north side of Austin. Uh, was at one point the AAA affiliation with the Astros. They moved back to Sugar Creek, Houston. Um, now it is affiliated with the Rangers. So they're still going to have games there. It's a beautiful stadium. They actually have a pool in right field. <laughs> 
We can go swim and whatnot. Oh, like Arizona. So I told Casey I'd get her a pool pass while I watched the game. <laughs> but long story short, I mean, it was did? just an opportunity to, like, sit back and watch some good talent and really watch the game from a different angle. And uh, it's good baseball. It's a good time. Yeah, you watched some uh, studs pitch. It was Michigan and, Michigan and uh, another D1 school. Name. He was sitting 90 to 94 with about, you know, two-plus pitches, curveball change. Um, but I was there for Riley Bertram. Riley is the second baseman. Has had conversations with scouts. He's a junior now at Michigan. I don't know if he's going to go that route, but it was a pleasure to watch him. Absolute stud and so much confidence defensively. I don't know if he will hit well enough to move forward as a player. Um, still a lot of tools, man. Good player. I, I saw that kid play when he was five years old. So it's really just a, a treat to continue to watch him play, man. I tell you what, he's a good kid. Good family. Uh, miss those guys. His brother won a Division II championship with the University of Southern Indiana. Screaming Eagles, baby. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, good stuff. So, sorry, I'm going on. It's it's no, you're fine, isn't it? It's just so much fun watching people you grew up, um, you grew up with sure. playing. It's still like it's it's crazy. It, it you know whether it's at the collegiate you know level or or major league. I have a few people I played on my summer team. You know, there's people like Devin Williams. I played catch with Devin Williams, like. For a year and a half, Who every single day. Ah, I'm just kidding. Evan <laughs> and I used to pretend like we were uh, Craig Kimbrell. You know, like how he stands, how he stands, like at the hitter with his arm out, and then at a ninety degree angle. We used to do that to each other and just throw it as hard as we could from like forty feet away. It's just crazy. It's like you think of that, and then you know you see them at you know their different levels, and it's just it blows your yeah. mind away. I don't know, man. I mean, these guys get you know. All right, we're back. I just I just couldn't stand to hear JT talk anymore, but uh we're back. Um we're talking it's a about a hard you know, cut off. <laughs> in all reality, um reality I uh I fudged up. I fudged up everybody. And it's okay, but we're up. back. We're back. Um, you know, we were just talking about, you know, just seeing players that we used to play with still playing today and how we want to live vicariously through them. We do that we do yeah you know it, while i uh accidentally stopped us um i just had the the memory of i always collected baseball cards when i was little and i think i had every my grandpa gave me every uh, cardinals roster in the 80s and a couple of the 90s but i mean i, I was probably upwards of 2,500 cards, and I still have just about every single one of them today. Oh, none of them are worth any money. I mean, these are baseball cards no one wants. But I collected them for so long when I was in high school. My dad, he gives me a Barry Bonds rookie card. And he goes, I did a job for a guy one time, and he gave me this card as a payment. And he's like, the bill was like $1,200. He's like, this baseball card is going to be worth more than this one day. It was when Barry Bonds was a rookie. It was his rookie year it happened. So my dad gives me this when I'm in high school. Obviously, I know about Barry Bonds. You know, he broke the home run record, steroids, you name it. doesn't matter. His rookie card is actually worth a lot of money because they printed one one 
year early before he made it to the big leagues. And this card is worth thousands of dollars today. My dad gives this to me. I am so pumped. I am beyond excited. I'm like, thank you so much for giving me this. I held on to this card until I still have it today. But in 2017, I get it appraised. Barry Bonds had two rookie cards for those uh, baseball cards aficionados. Um, I have the rookie card of his actual rookie year, not the rookie card that came out one year early in spring training, and it isn't worth $5. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I always kid with my dad. I go, you did a job that you were supposed to get paid over $1,000, and you got paid a $2 baseball card. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was worth it, though. It meant a lot to you. Oh, it's, I mean, it, it, because of the story, it still means so much to me, but it just makes me laugh every, <laughs> every single time. I mean, the card isn't worth $5. Oh, come on. Well, you know, I want to stay on the Cardinals topic, uh, I'm trying to think of something we could dive into. We did discuss our, you know, our favorite lineups, which was cool to hear your take and my take on that. Um, now that's something we totally want to get into. I know you took some notes prior to laying out some recording. I didn't know if you had anything else you wanted to discuss. You know, there was there was one thing that we like touched on a little bit that I guess we can kind of circle back to. I, I wrote I wrote this down. We were talking about you know with Bader beating out. He's going to be out the first month. Who's going to take its place? At the minimum. Yeah. I mean, you know, Madeline was kind of making fun of him. She's like, ooh, forearm strain. Boo-hoo-hoo. And I was like, it must be pretty bad because he missed a week at the beginning. He's out for over a month now, and it's not like he has earned a spot that is yeah, his gonna when he comes back. So it's it's – it's either he's not – he doesn't want it enough to play through it or it's that bad that he can't. Sure. Um, I'm going with the latter. But Bader being out because Bader is – you know, Bader is Bader offensively. But without him, we still have one gold glove and one arguably could get a gold glove um, outfielders. So we're not really downgrading that much defensively, but if any of those players that we mentioned um, that could fill that spot step up in any way offensively, it's the best thing for the team. Bader being hurt is probably the best thing for the offense and defense, not counting pitching, uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals. Bader's like Matt Carpenter. <laughs> like, he's a little a bit. And I don't know why. Not know why. Lease can play some defense. Carpenter can't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously, I don't even want to compare the two defensively. Um, I mean, Bader has something going for him. Carpenter has nothing going for him. Sure. But ah, it's frustrating. That, I mean, Carpenter being hurt, all I get is another bench player. Bader being hurt gives someone an opportunity to, to go win a spot. 
and as long as they hit more than 220 and play okay defense, they're probably going to keep the position once Bader gets back. Sure. Yeah, man, it's just such a toss-up. Um, I'm glad he's out. I think it creates a lot of opportunity for other players to have a chance. I think it opens up spots for Justin Williams. I, I don't like Austin Dean at all. I, I don't like him at the plate. I don't like him defensively. Um, what I mean, what is your true feeling on Justin Williams? I mean, have you watched him play? Yeah, I mean, he looks good. Where? In what way? Am I missing it? I mean, I know he's getting hits and stuff, but, like, he's slow. He's just not even fast. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Something about him just turns me off. It's like. I don't have I, – I haven't seen enough of them to actually have an opinion. Can you hear that wolf in the background? I did. I apologize for that. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a thing down here in Austin, Texas. They start hallowing and they sync up. It's like uh, the menstrual cycle. Yeah, for sure. It's the moon. Dude, sometimes moon the it's like really bad. And uh, even with the windows closed. And we have – all right, we get it. They're upset. <laughs> They're upset. That's <laughs> pretty wild. Holy cow. But, no, Bader being hurt, I mean, it, it. I'm excited to see Lane Thomas. He'll probably get the first crack at it. Yeah, Lane Thomas is my sleeper. I like him a lot. I think he's the first guy away, you know, in regards to Justin Williams, Austin Dean. I think Lane Thomas first and then those two to follow. I'd put Nagowski out there first, but. Okay, yeah, no, I didn't I didn't think we were still talking about him. And, uh. You know, we haven't mentioned, but Nolan Gorman, I mean, they're they're just trying to find him a place to be. Where's he going to play? That's the that's what I'm saying. You know, he's athletic enough to be serviceable anywhere. I mean, there's been some pretty bad defensive players that, you know, can crush it offensively. I'm not saying that he will be that. He has the opportunity to, but... Well, like I said, uh, I, 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 my, my hot take, and I've already mentioned this earlier in previous, Tommy Edmonds going to be an all-star here in about a year or two. I'm sorry. I just think he's a flat-out stud, and I think he's solid, and he's got second lockdown. And then if we keep Nolan Arenado for the next five to six years, Gorman's going to get traded. I'm sorry. He's not going to yeah. play. Well, that's great. That's great. That's exactly what the Cardinals need. And it sucks because he's a, he's a bigger guy. He's really put on some weight, too. I don't know if you've seen his stature uh, this year yet, but he was not like that when he first came in the league. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to be a trade prospect. And But that's exactly what the Cardinals need. What? Trade bait. Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals I said- are not – they're not getting past the Braves, Nationals, and Dodgers. They're not. <laughs> Unless they can squeeze one series through one of them. But we're not going through all of them. Sure. Which is what they'd have to do to get to the World Series. And World Series is anybody's game. Yeah. As we all know. Definitely. You can win a series, but you gotta win multiple series to get to the World Series. You do. And right now, I don't think that we can beat all those teams. And that's why Nagowski, you know, let's say Nagowski kinda does pretty good. That's trade bait. To go get somebody with Gorman. Go throw in some young pitcher. Like, we need that. We need – we have no idea what three, four, five looks like in our starting rotation. 
Wait, say that again. I said three, four, five. We have no idea what it looks like. Uh, I do uh, <laughs> presently. Yeah, I mean it's it. I mean Clarity, Wayno, Martinez, KK, and then throw in. I don't know. Okay. Throw a, throw a, a name and a hat for God's sake. I mean, sure. Uh, Jack Flaherty, Wayno, healthy, starting. All of those other pitchers that you mentioned, KK's hurt. He's not starting the season. He's progressing in the right direction, though, from what I've That doesn't mean anything. Michaelis is progressing. You're getting into this. You're getting attitude. I know it. You've been drinking. (laughs) You start getting angry. You get really fucking negative about the Cardinals. We've been recording for an hour now. No, no, I'm being realistic. (laughs) I'm being realistic. I know. Um, I know. Out of everyone you just said, KK's not – he's not in the starting rotation. He's not. So he's not talking about the He's present. not thrown for two or three I'm not talking now. about – yeah, I'm not talking about best-case scenario. I'm talking about what our situation is right now. Uh, Jack and Wayno are the only two pitchers uh, that anybody had slotted in their starting rotation to begin spring training. They're the only two left. Every single one of those other names that you just named were people that were like – Maybe they'll get a fifth spot. They'll be in the bullpen. Okay. So I'm not – so to go into the 2021 season saying that, you know, we don't need need to make a trade to be uh, a team that goes far into the playoffs in World Series, which is uh, the Cardinals' goal being Wayno's last season, Yachty's last season. Uh, it could be Arenado's last season. I think that they really do want to go for it this year. And I think that we should be prepared to see some trades come the deadline. So that's why it's great to have these people like Gorman that you say that are looking better. Um, Austin Dean could be traded in a second. Um, and like like I was saying, Nagowski, go have, go have a good couple of months. Nagowski's trade bait. You know, whether they go get an outfielder or they go get a starting pitcher, it doesn't matter. There's Starling Marte's on the market. I just think of in the outfield, and there's a plethora of starting pitchers that could be traded along with relievers. Yeah. I think as an organization, we're in a good spot. We are. To have a good trade. We are. And I would love to see John Nagowski get the start at the helm in left field and just kind of ride him again. Like I said, ride him till he bucks you. Like, let him play till he can't hit. I mean, dude, prove yourself, you know, that you don't belong, I guess, you know, in that way, if that makes any sense. So if you're a shilt or if you have the decision-making power, you know, that. If I had it my way, John Nagowski plays left field opening day. I don't even care anymore what he does the rest of the week in spring training. Even, even, even over Lane Thomas, who you're very high on. I am high on Lane Thomas, but nobody's out hitting John Nagowski. I mean, it's stupid what he's doing right now. It's been 500. So, yeah, I mean. It doesn't matter if it's spring training, minor leagues, major leagues. You bet. I, I wrote it down. If you bet 423, you're doing pretty good. Agreed. It's a hot bat. It, it sucks that he'll hit that well and still have the opportunity not to play. Like, oh, my gosh. I know. It's crazy. Uh, my, my prediction, Lane Thomas, starts in left. Okay. I'm all right with that. I, it's I, apples I just, apples. I'm okay with either. I – I am too. I'd rather see Nagowski. I don't think that we're losing a ton. We're losing a hot bat, which how much is that worth during the regular season? You know, you can decide, but steaming. 
if I know DeWitt, if I know Shield, they're going Lane Thompson. It's fair. More of that. It's not the it's end. It's a huge question mark, by the way, and I think a critical decision to start the season. Oh, it's the only question mark, in my opinion, on for the starting eight. God, I dude. Sometimes I wish I could just give my left nut to be in on these conversations. I and I, I know it would be so hard. They'd have to put a muzzle on me because I want to say something. <laughs> be so passionate. Oh, I'd have something to say. I would be so interested and in just God, you'd muzzle me and I'd I'd shut up. But uh, yeah, definitely something to say. Mm, pisses me off. <laughs> I know the the thing that makes me a little irked is. Schilt's decision-making ability for the everyday lineup. Because you're worried, you're worried about that. It's always worried me. I I don't think that. If you look over the years, I think that he very he really influenced a lot of the managers. I do think that's one reason why Mike Matheny had it out. Wait, he was influenced as a manager or influenced others? No, he, Bill DeWitt was influencing the managers how to run the league. Oh, yeah. And what I mean by that, puppet, you, man. if he, you've seen that, yeah. Puts the, yes, of course. I agree. Like, let the manager, let the, I guess Schultz isn't exactly this. He didn't play Major League Baseball player. He didn't even play uh, high school, hardly. But, yeah. Um, but let the manager make the decision. They're more of the baseball person. You make that he should be very much involved, DeWitt. But when it comes to the everyday lineup, I think that is the manager's discretion. And, you know, it's, it's DeWitt's job to hire the right person for that position and trust them with the lineup. And I don't think he really does. I think that he really controls the lineup day to day or has a very strong influence and that that worries me, and that's why I don't think Nagowski will start. He, Dewitt's beyond conservative when it comes to his players. Yeah, I mean, there's such a tie there, like, and it's hard for us to really assess really what's going on, you know, in the clubhouse and with managerial positions and how much pull like either the GM or the manager has, because I'm sure it varies organiz- organization to organization. <laughs> To echo yeah. that of what you were saying, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's GMs that are, hey, this is the team, do your thing, their hands it, off. It, They're like, I did my best job, you do your best. I'm thinking job. of the scene from Moneyball with um, Brad Pitt, and uh, mm-hmm. he's like, play Hatterberg at first, <laughs> and he, he's like, and I'm he not, refuses. I can't do it. it you know, who plays Hatterberg? Who's Scott Hatterberg in uh, Moneyball? Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt, one of your Chris one of your Pratt. favorite actors, and. Uh, mm-hmm. He goes, well, I can't play Chris Pat, or I can't play. I was like Carlos. Gonz- it was something. Uh, it was Carlos. Carlos Pena. Pena goes, I can't play Pena. He goes, why? He goes, I traded him. <laughs> he yeah, goes, you exactly. trying to kill this team? He goes, no, play Hatterberg. <laughs> yeah, that was a good scene. That's like that scene makes me think of Dewitt as a GM. Yeah, it's funny. I like it. And I, I think it hinders what a lot of managers do and tinker with the lineup. Like, he doesn't like tinkering. 
He wants to do it as like he's OCD about his lineup. Like it's exactly how he wants. Got to learn today. Yeah, you got to learn, learn today. today. <laughs> what a long nigga look like. Go ahead, son. Put it on oh the table. My gosh. <laughs> um, uh, but no, he. Uh, I think he's just OCD with his lineup, and I think that really hinders what. Um, I mean, you you've seen it as a player, JT. A manager might just make a like a little switch here and there. May not seem like a lot, but that person can just be a spark plug, and that spark plug can run the team into playoffs, through it, into the finals. It, 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 right until she bucks you. Exactly, and Dewitt doesn't do that. He lets these people have these two week windows. He's like, okay, go get your eight games in, your nine games in. If you don't perform for me, guess what? Option B is right here, and they'd love to play. But as soon as that person doesn't perform in their small window, he just replaces them with either the same person or another person. Agreed, agreed. That's good stuff, man. I mean, it's just – it's it's a position we don't really know and truly what's going on. I mean, I want to believe you, though, and I do believe you that I think Mosaic has a lot of pull in the decision-making process. And not that he shouldn't. I mean, it's his job to put the players on the field. And if a manager is not in line with what his vision of what he put together, that can be very troublesome. Agreed. Agreed. And it's a lot of money at stake, man. Like, yeah, uh, hundreds of millions. Oh, my gosh. But at the same time, you know, you can. You can give an analogy of, you know, just like a normal managerial role in your day-to-day job. When you tell somebody how to do the job, harass them how to do that, constantly look over their shoulder to make sure they're doing it how you want it. You're not going to get the best out of that individual. You got to prepare them for the job correctly and enough. And then trust that your managerial guidance is enough that they perform. And if not, then you kind of adjust, but you got to trust them to do their job or they're not going to perform. Very true. Very true. Hey, um, to keep the energy up, I've got some good, uh, just off the top of my head, listening to you talk. It's been great. And uh, I got some good questions I want to throw at you and we're both going to kind of bounce off each other. So this is our first full 162 game season. As you don't, as you guys scoring at home, uh, it's a long fucking season, but I uh, want to talk about, you know, more hot takes. Uh, when we think about guys who are going to show up for us this year, like perennial all-stars, like, you know, let's think about a guy we just brought in, Nolan Arenado. Is Nolan Arenado an all-star this year for the St. Louis Cardinals? Such a loaded question. And again, um, it's weird coming off a of pandemic season where we just played 60 games and didn't even have an all-star, you know, break or nothing. It was kind of a sprint. And it's like, whoa, this is going to be such a weird year. COVID's kind of on the rough, on the decline, excuse me. And, you know, the vaccines are getting out. and You know, fans are back in the stands. And now we got to think about the marathon again. And we just brought in mm-hmm. a eight-goal Glover perennial all-star. Is he going to make the all-star team? 
as a Cardinal this year. His first season, think about it, being a superstar, coming to a new team, it's always difficult. Very, I'd love to know that stat. How many all-star players get traded to another team and are an all-star that year again? That would be a great freaking would, yeah. stat to check out. But yeah. my question to you is – You should is, tweet somebody that. I mean, that's – that's that. I would love to see that stat. Because you know how difficult that can I would be love to, to, to change stat. towns, going from Colorado to St. Louis, change time zones. I mean, it's really difficult. So my – Elevations – my question to you is Nolan Arenado, and go with your gut. Like, what is your gut telling you? Is he an all-star for St. Louis? Does he hit 35-plus home runs this year? Does he drive in? Does he go 35 and 95 this year? I think that's enough to be an all-star. And he brought, does he have Does he have 15 to 20 home runs at the break? My gut is no, and that's not me being that's a okay. pessimist. That's okay. I love just like, gut feeling like, well, how do I? I, I, I don't need him to. In the sense that if other people perform to their level, to their capabilities, I'm not asking for people to overperform. He shouldn't need to be the best player in the MLB for the Cardinals to be successful, is what I'm saying. He can go and hit 30 home runs or 28. I'd be happy with he's, he, his home run totals are going to go down a little bit. I think, but you his stay isolated, stay isolated down. with the answer. But, stay on Nolan. Don't worry about everybody else. Like Nolan's got to be Nolan. Offensively, offensively he's going to go down a little bit. I think his first year in St. Louis is going to be a little bit different in that he'll make. I think he'll be kind of like Goldsmith in his first. What? Year. Goldsmith, Goldsmith only elevated our defense. What do you mean? We went from being last place in 2018 to 2019 being in first place. I mean, Goldsmith's first year was wasn't anything crazy. We're talking year. defense, though, right? I'm talking about everything. Yeah, okay, we brought up defense. You said, "Is he going to be an all star?" I said, "He'll have a Goldsmith like year." Let's hold on. Yeah, me, you need I'm to up Goldschmidt right now. I'm a little disappointed with your answer so far. I know, I know you because you're be. comparing him to Goldschmidt, and we know Goldschmidt gets off to a slow start. That's been true over the last five years in his career. But mm-hmm. I don't know, man. If if you want my hot take, I think Nolan Arenado's an absolute. Look at the plays he's made defensively in spring training. But he's made some shit look really easy. I think he's going to be an absolute stud at third. He's got to be rejuvenated as a player. I I believe he's an all-star this year, and I believe he finds a way to hit above 30 home runs this year. Sorry. Not sorry. I mean, he he definitely has the ability of course. to. I, I think he's got the ability to hit what, 40 what, plus home runs. What makes me think his career numbers are going to taper a little bit. He's going to be hitting Milwaukee, Cincinnati, fit like sure. some real – Hitter friendly ballparks. I, I I agree, but guess where the other half of the time he's playing in St. Louis, where he's going to prosper. He will, and he'll figure it out. He will. He'll be great. Nolan Arenado can take do some no time. harm. He's impervious. I'll put it this way: Paul Goldschmidt, 2013 to 2018, he was in Arizona. He was an All Star. 
every single year. 2019, played 161 games. He was not an all-star. He was not an all-star last year. I'm not saying he had 155 hits, 25 doubles, 34 home runs, and 97 RBI. Okay, that's pretty fucking good. <laughs> <not a lot. laughs> he batted 260. Um, I feel like that a lot of that was in the later half of the year. Yeah, right? it was the second half season. Will you just take a moment? I know we're on a podcast, but just really think about like Nolan Arenado as our third baseman. And he's playing in St. Louis, which is an easy city to play in. I, uh, I, I've, I've kind of like been ignoring the idea for the sense that when it comes to regular season, because I can't watch the games right now. I don't have SM Midwest. I have YouTube TV. I can't watch the games. I'm about to buy MLB TV just so I can watch the games. But I've, I've kind of been nulling myself to the idea of seeing him every day for the sheer excitement of seeing him on Very opening spring. day and then being able to literally see him at third base. You know, God willing, he, he stays healthy, you know, he plays 155 games this year. Pinch me, pinch I mean, me. Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, I still cannot believe Nolan Arenado is a St. Louis Cardinal. I think I just Maybe. it's too much too soon. Like holy crap! I JT. The better question is, I, I think a more f- fun question: Does he win another gold yes. glove? I'm giving. I'm tipping my hat to the kid, man. <laughs> I think he's an absolute stud. I think he's not what Paul Goldschmidt was coming over. I think he's better. I think he's. I think he's healthy. I think the fan. I oh my goodness! I think he's going to really show up this year for us, and he's going to put the St. Louis organization, which has been in a plummet for a, a few years, man. He's going to be an absolute stud, man. That's how I feel. You know, I I've held myself away from this, and I'm, I'm a little. Well, it's time to get on um, board. Mad, mad at you for bringing it up because it's just getting time me to get on board. Go back and watch his highlights of last year, <laughs> the year before, and the year before that. I mean, absolute so stud. You should hear Dan McLaughlin when he makes plays at spring training. He goes, wow. Dan McLaughlin, he made a play. You know, he does this thing where he kind of gets a slow roller, gloves it, and kind of runs away from the base and makes a, you know, across the body throw. And Dan McLaughlin goes, I love when he does that. Kind of implying like <laughs> he has seen that for decades. Like, he saw Scotty Rowland do it for He's for an years. absolute stud. He's stupid. And he's made some plays in spring training defensively. I believe that as a player. And he's already a veteran. He's not even 30. He's just. Mm-hmm. He's, he's 30. He'll, he'll yeah, be he'll be 30. 30 to, don't you judge him. <laughs> the new, he'll have his dirty 30. Hey, by the way, uh, I heard in an interview and I told Eric, his favorite sandwich shop is Snarf's. Snarks has one really? sandwich shop on St. Louis University's campus. I've been there one time in my yeah, life. So I, I told Eric, you know, another guy we discussed baseball with, I'm like, you need to go to Snarks every day. Hey, I'll go to Snarks every day. He's post up, man. He'll probably <laughs> get it, you know, door dashed or something, but whatevs. Who's that yeah, for? Is that for Arenado? <laughs> he gets a baconator. I know what it is. What's up? Shout out to Arenado. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, one of the Bucks uh, was interviewing him from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I was like, by the way, there's a Snarfs in St. Louis. And he goes, oh, really? And he kind of perked <laughs> up like a five-year-old. Like, oh, that's great. You know, kind of like, what a stupid fucking comment to uh, say during this segment. But, you know, cool. And uh, 
Now I'm so happy for it's you, like, dude. That's like you and I would get excited for yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, I'm just looking at um, at his stats, and I, I, I'm not kidding. I've, I've literally have intentionally held off from doing this just to not get too excited. Do you remember when you got excited the last about Alvin's the- offensive? Like you knew what he was going to do. I kind of know that Arenado is going to be good. That he doesn't have down years. He's too good. This, this uh, Arenado, R- Arenado is this type of player. Arenado, you're right. Uh, and you mentioned Pujols and it, the just the threat that he was. Nothing and compares. I no, think I'm Mike not Trout comparing still, him I think Mike Trout is break. the only person that compares. But Arenado has this ability. Um, I. It is in the middle of the season. The Cardinals are playing. Dan, we lost Daniel son. We'll be coming back to you live shortly. My internet went out. <laughs> Damn it, we need a raise. I know. Can't even pay the bills. I'm sick of this Spectrum, man. Shit, we got Spectrum down here, too. That's what we use. Damn. Damn, we're here in Austin, Texas. Well, we're, talk- we're talking about Arenado, but... Yeah. You were talking about how you're not ready to totally invest in him. And you're waiting for him to fucking prove it like he has anything to prove to anyone. No, no. Damn shame. No, I don't want him to prove anything. Shame on I'm you. just I just want to see it myself. And I don't want to get I go, the worst thing you can do um, as a fan of just anything that you like is is get over invested into something and, and when what commonly happens is your expectation gets so high because you put so much of an investment into that certain thing. And it, it'll never reach your expectation. And it'll suck. And you'll be like, what the heck? This disappointed me. So, well, here we out. So, bringing in Paul Goldschmidt was a star. He's a star player. Good, great first baseman. Has had great years in Arizona. Nolan Arenado is what you call a superstar. Shows up every year. It's inevitable. It's This is a signing that we've been waiting for years. I'll yeah. Am I missing the point here? Like no, 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 not at all. And, and and what I was, you know, when my internet died, what I was bringing up was I thought you died. No, no, my I internet died. I died. No, um, my internet went out. But I, I was, I there's a specific game I remember against Cincinnati in the middle of the year. Um, the the Reds are terrible, but it's an actual close game. So you know they they try to keep it close when. You know when they're actually close. The Reds and were terrible the, last year. No, this is years ago when okay. when Pools was a Cardinal. Sure. And it's the eighth inning or so, seventh or eighth, a very impact moment. 
they get the bases loaded with Pujols at the plate. They make a pitching change to, to their best pitcher, and they know Pujols is going to hurt them, but they can't walk him. Sure. And this is the part that just stands out. They threw him a first-pitch fastball at his eyes. I mean, way out of the zone. But Pujols was so locked in, and he's this type of player, and I think Arenado can be this type of player. He swung at the ball. I mean, it was equal with his eyes. There's no reason he should be swinging at this pitch. And he hit it 22 rows deep into left field for a green slam. Like, that's what Arenado can do. That's what I'm excited about. I just, I kind of just want the the pure joy of kind of seeing it without blowing it up, blowing the idea of him up. I mean, sure, you don't want to overhype it. Well, guess who is? Dwight. I'm going to overhype it. <laughs> I'm going to overhype the shit out of it because I I think Arnaud, you know, Nolan Arnado is going to be Nolan. And that's what Ozzie Smith had said on MLB. On MLB. Like, he's like, just be, just be Nolan. Mm-hmm. That's all you got to do. Oh, I totally agree. And I think he will do that. I think just naturally there's, – there's a couple of things that I think will happen with him this year. Um, I think a really big positive is just coming out of, you know, Denver. Like, I've been in that elevation before. I have asthma. But, like, I was miserable the whole time I was there. I'm not saying, like, his experience is the same. But just walking around, like, I felt the difference. I can only imagine running around for hours like that in that elevation changing, constantly changing, high and low. Like, it's a lot of wear on your body. Um, but then you go to hit in St. Louis versus Colorado. They're, you know, one's very hitters friendly, one's very pitchers friendly. So, you know, you, there's a kind of a trade off. And I'm really curious, you know, what his season will kind of play out as because we play in a lot of hitter friendly parks that he can freaking mash some balls in dude i can't wait i i'm actually i've been holding back myself personally like which is just about damn time that we brought in the superstar yeah you know do you feel like we were saying that you know jt uh two years ago we made our our first couple of podcasts and you know we just recorded them we didn't do anything with them but to this day my memory on my snapchat came up and it was us talking about the paul goldschmidt trade sure and we were talking about it the same. But why is this different in your eyes? Bringing in Nolan Arenado? Mm-hmm. Because we were saying the exact same things two years ago. Paul Goldschmidt was a star. Nolan Arenado's the best defensive player at his position in the game. And the, an argument can be made for Paul Goldschmidt as well. But the only thing that some people may be skeptical about with Nolan Arenado, and he is a superstar... He's an absolute freaking stud. I mean, he's he's stupid with what he does on the field. Is the fact that he played in Colorado on that higher higher elevation? Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And it's Big you field. know for fans you know who are listening, and I know there's thousands of you out there just tuning in live right now. I mean, across the <laughs> world, um, Colorado is in a higher level of elevation. Excuse me. So the ball is tends to carry more. So offensively, mm-hmm. the numbers are just higher for uh, hitters in uh, Colorado. But uh, playing in the Midwest, it's not so much. But uh, the talent is there, the ability, the opportunity. I mean, oh my gosh, dude! I'm just gonna, I let, think I'm just gonna let it happen. I mean, seriously. yeah, and I think he's more excited than he's ever been. I mean, the Cardinals 
I can't think of one. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's one time that Colorado was ever expected to be in the top two in their division when he was a Rocky. Not one time. The Cardinals are projected to win the Central now. So he's like, oh, my God. Guys, we're – we got a really good chance of making the playoffs. Do you think we're going to win the Central like that? I don't think it's that easy. No, I don't. But, But you know, we have to. I do think, like, if things go bad for a lot of teams, um, and if things were to go bad for – you know, if something bad was to happen to other teams, I think they fall a lot quicker than the Cardinals. Do you know who we have to play if we don't win the Central? Uh, I mean, it'll either be Washington or Atlanta, no. or 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 L.A. or San Diego. No, it's one of the two. San Diego, because San Diego's not going to win the West. The Dodgers are well, in the West. It'll be uh, depending on what playoffs they year. have. I mean, L.A. is still pretty freaking good, so it's going to be either L.A. or San Diego winning the West. What? No, it's that... the Dodgers. The Dodgers are winning the West. I'm telling you. Dan, do anything can happen. Diego's- I agree. I, oh, I agree. I'm just saying, big picture wise, big picture wise, oh, super yeah. big picture wise, because um, anything can happen. LA could go have you know seven injuries. How many times have have you seen somebody projected to win their division and then they get third? We've seen it all the time with Washington in the past decade. Um, it can happen to the Dodgers. It's happened to them for God's sakes. Regardless, sure. Um, I'm just saying you got two really good teams on the West Coast, two really good teams on the East Coast um, that are either going to win their division or win the wild card. So it's either we're going to play one of those four teams, in my opinion. I don't think the Cubs have the width. I think the Cubs are going to be huge uh, sellers at the deadline. I think the Brewers, uh, it, all it takes for like one injury, and they're in the in the dumps. Okay. Um, Pirates of the Pirates. Cincinnati's going to be Cincinnati. I think the Cardinals, if bad things happen to them, which it's already has, and it will happen to every single team. What bad things? Have but happened? The, injuries. Okay, maybe people good. can get hurt. People can underperform. Injuries create uh, opportunities, right? Sure. But the, it's an opportunity that I would say that m- statistically most people fail when they get a chance. Yeah, no, fair. So I'm saying, like, you know, if the Cardinals have a couple of injuries to some bigger p- people, they they have more depth to fill the position and stay afloat for longer than other teams. Okay. I like it. Okay. In the cent- in just the central. In just the central. I, I see the Cubs as huge sellers. I unless oh, I something think happens with the Cubs. The deadline, 100%. Yeah. I think they're That's a fact. I mean, Schwarber's like, you know, they've they've shown that they've said it without saying it. They're sellers. And it, so it's the Brewers. The so Cubs. you're saying I think the Brewers are yeah. going to be relevant. Yes. I think they're the biggest threat to yeah. us because of their bullpen. Yeah. But you and I talked the other day, you know, I think Hater's um, extremely high success run is, is is near an end. Say that again? He's got dead on. Hater, Hater's extremely high success rate 
is is nearing an end. He's a good pitcher, but he's gonna he he has dead arm. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's not throwing the same that he used to. You know, when you when you're getting called in for two inning saves routinely as a closer, your arm just it's not the seventies anymore when people are throwing eighty seven. You gotta throw ninety seven plus out of the pen. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody's sitting 90 plus, right? Mm hmm. And, uh, sorry, I'm a little distracted. Yeah. But, um, I can edit that out. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, uh, and we're back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me let you go for a moment. All right, I think I might be good for the night. Yeah, me um, too. We've let, I'll edit this out. It. Let me know. I think it's been really great. I like a lot of it. Yeah.